You are listening to audio from Summit Community Church. You can join us Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. on our YouTube channel at SCC Morganton. Morning. It's good to see everyone. It's good to be back, see some familiar faces. Some of you have not changed where you sit in two years, uh, which I'm grateful for because my wife was able to grab her seat from two years ago. Um, so that I appreciate you doing that. Uh, you know, uh, Pastor Mike didn't mention anything about hurting his toe to me. Uh, we were hanging out at his house the other day, and I saw him limping, and I just kind of thought, like, man, age is catching up with him. Uh, but now it's, it's good to know. It's like it was, it was the couch and not his age. Uh, man, I, I know that many of you are, uh, in the, over the last couple of years, maybe new to Summit. We, we missed each other during my time here. But if you're new here, I hope you know how great of a pastor, how godly of a pastor you have in Mike Chandler. Uh, yeah, I see some. Hey, you can clap up for, for Pastor Mike. Um, you know, he jokes that, that that Chloe is his gummy buddy, but it's more than that. He we joke we joked, but we were very serious. He has been an honorary grandfather uh, to my kids. He's been like a father figure to me. Uh, he means so much to us. To show you his his, just give you an example of his nature, his character. The other week, Aaron was coming up here for a wedding. I was doing another wedding in Greensboro, and she was coming up here for a wedding of one of our former students. And about Statesville, a little before Statesville, all these lights start blinking in the van. And she's like, what do I do? She's by herself. She's pregnant. It's the middle of the night. It's like after eight o'clock. And I'm like, I I don't know. I don't know cars. Like, uh, you're closer to Morganton than you are to me because I was in someone else's car driving away, the other side down 40. And so I was like, just go as far as you can, get as close to Morganton as you can because we got friends in Morganton. And so I get on the phone with Mike and I'm like, listen, Aaron's coming towards you, having car trouble. And before I could like even get the ask out, he's like, you want me to start driving down towards her? I'm on it. And I mean, just jumped in the car without hesitating. That is the pastor of this church. Uh, you have a great shepherd leading you. Uh, and I am, I hope you are as appreciative of him as I have been. Mike, thank you uh, just for the impact that you've had on my life and my family's life. And thank you for allowing me uh, to be here this morning. I know a couple life updates. You, you see Aaron there. Uh, son is on the way. I need y'all to go ahead and pray for my son because when he's born, he's going to have three mamas telling him what to do and when to do it. Um, Chloe is four and a half. She is our creative sensitive, compassionate, artistic child. I mean, she is so creative, and it's awesome to see that in her. She just finished her first year in pre-K and thrived in that. Uh, And then Kinsley, as Mike said, is a true two-year-old. She is our comedian. I don't know where she got that from, but she's our comedian, and she is about as feisty as you would expect the combination of a redhead and a pastor's kid, okay? So when she comes in here after service, just don't put your hands down because she might bite, okay? Like, that's, that's just where we're at right now. Um, but it is good to be back. Uh, I'll just say, and I'm, I'm not doing this for flattery or anything like that, but our transition back to Durham was a lot harder than it was our transition to Morganton from Durham the first time. Um, you all made us feel like family, and we are forever grateful um, to God for allowing us to be here for that season in our life and just your impact on our lives, and so thank you, and it is so great to be back. 
Um, and so if you aren't already there, go ahead and open your Bibles to, to Mark chapter 8. Pastor Mike already read this passage. It is a pretty short and straightforward narrative of one of Jesus' miracles. And there are a ton of things in this passage we could focus on. We could take—it's one of the things I love about God's Word is that there's so many different things, so many powerful things in such a short passage of Scripture that we could have like four different sermons off of these five verses alone. And so what I want to do is I want to quickly point out a, a few things that this passage shows us, and then I want to spend our time kind of focusing on what I think the Lord has laid on my heart for us to hear today. And so we'll pick up in verse 22, kind of walk through it and point out some of these things. Um, the first thing we see is it talks about how some people brought a blind man to Jesus. We could spend a whole sermon on what it means to be some of those people who are actively bringing people to Jesus, right? Like these people saw a need. They saw what was going on in this man's life, and they believed that Jesus could make a difference. They believed that this man's life would be radically better, would be drastically improved if we could get him to Jesus and Jesus touched him. They had that kind of faith, and that's the kind of people that we should be. We should be some of those people who are actively trying to bring Jesus to people, bringing the gospel to people, Do we, because we believe that Jesus can heal. We believe Jesus can make a difference. So we could talk about that. Another thing this passage shows us in, in verse 23, it shows us the compassion of Jesus. Verse 23, it says that Jesus took the man by the hand. And just by that phrase, it's showing us the compassion that Jesus has for sinners and sufferers. You say, Stephen, this passage doesn't really mention anything about this man being a sinner. But if you look throughout the Gospels, and specifically in the Gospel of John, another account of Jesus healing a blind man, as they came across the blind man, the disciples said, hey, Jesus, why is this man blind? Is it because his parents sinned or because he sinned? Back then, it was a very common belief that if someone had some kind of ailment like blindness or leprosy, that it was a result of their sin or someone very close to them and God was punishing them by allowing them to have this affliction. And so when it came to someone with blindness or leprosy, they were seen as unclean. They were an outcast. And for Jesus to reach out and touch them, for Jesus to reach out and grab this man by the hand and walk with him, it shows him shows that Jesus had a tender heart and was compassionate for sinners and sufferers. And so we could spend a lot of time talking about that today. And this passage shows us this. Another thing this passage shows us, if you look at verses 24 and 25, we see the healing power of Jesus. Jesus can heal. Yes and amen. Some of you have experienced that healing power. But we also see that Jesus doesn't always heal instantaneously. Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes it, it is, is over time that Jesus does his healing act. And so, one, we see the power to heal, and we should have confidence in Jesus to do that. But number two, we should see that maybe you have been in the middle of something. Maybe you have, have been struggling through something, and you've seen some improvement, but you're not all the way where you want to be, right? Don't lose heart. Jesus is not done with you. Just as when this blind man opened his eyes for the first time and, and he couldn't see clearly, Jesus wasn't done. And so maybe some of you today need to hear that, that short word that Jesus is not done with you and what you're going through. But today I primarily want to focus on this idea of, of spiritual sight because I believe that's the main reason that this particular passage is where it's at in the Gospel of Mark. Um, we see Verse 26, Jesus 
sent him home saying, do not even enter the village. And, and some of the versions say, don't tell anyone. And Jesus would sometimes do that when, because the time wasn't right for people to know, for everyone to know that he was the Messiah or things like that. But, but in this particular case, uh, scholars believe that Jesus told him this because everyone who needed to see this miracle happen, the way it happened, was already there. They were there to witness what happened. And so he did not need the blind man who could now see to go and tell everyone what happened because the people who needed to know were already there. And so this, this reason for this, because uh, everyone, like I said, everyone needed to hear it was there. So the lesson that Jesus is showing us is this idea of spiritual growth and spiritual sight. Now, spiritual sight is a little bit different than physical sight. Uh, truth about me, without contacts, without glasses, I can't see very well. Uh, I don't love going to doctors, mainly because it's just inconvenient to like take time out of your day to go to a doctor's office and all. But the doctor I hate going to most is the eye doctor. Sorry, Jeremy. But I hate going to the eye doctor. And the reason I hate going to the eye doctor is the same reason I hate running. It's because I'm bad at it. All right? Like, they put those big letters up on the screen, like, can you read that? No. And I feel like they're laughing at me, like, every time. Like, this dude can't see. And I, I really can't. Everything's just blurry. And so it's just like every year I go, you know, my eyesight's just a little bit worse. And I'm like, I'm just going to be reminded that my eyes are bad. And they're going to try and talk me into, like, having surgery and, and all this. And it's just, I don't like going. I'm bad at seeing things. Um, and, and, and so, but that's to be expected. Let's be expected as we get older, our physical sight kind of can fade unless you just are blessed with great genetics. But however, the opposite should be true about our spiritual sight. As our physical sight fades, our spiritual sight should sharpen. As our physical sight fades, our spiritual sight should sharpen. And this is what Jesus is showing us, showing his disciples in this passage. And so why do I say this? There's two reasons why I say this. First, this is the only time that Jesus did a miracle in two parts. There are two other accounts of Jesus healing the blind, and both describe the healing happening with one touch from Jesus. One touch. All of his other miracles are done instantly. Lazarus, come out. He comes out. Even in, uh, previously in Mark, Jesus wasn't even around the person that he healed. Someone came and said, my daughter's sick, my daughter's died, and Jesus says she's healed. And from a distance, with a word, he heals. It's not a progressive healing. But here, he touches, touches the man twice. Now, is that because, like, for some reason, like, maybe Jesus had COVID and, like, just his powers were a little bit off or anything like that? He's like, oh, I got to shake these cobwebs. No, he did this on purpose. He did this in two ways. He did this in two touches on purpose. And so this shows us that Jesus is doing something unique here. Secondly, if you look back at verse 18, that Pastor Mike was part of his passage last week, Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, having eyes, do you not see? In other words, Jesus is saying, you can see, you have eyes, but you don't really see what's going on. You're, you're missing the point. It's not a coincidence that Mark put this account of Jesus healing the blind man directly after an account of Jesus asking his, his disciples, you have eyes, but you don't see. This blind man's story is illustrating Jesus' statement. You can have eyes, you can have vision, but not really see. This was the condition of the disciples. As you heard last week, the disciples had seen Jesus do this miracle where he fed thousands and thousands of people, and he even had leftovers. 
And, and so it's very clear that Jesus can provide food. You don't ever have to worry about going hungry. It's like being at a Baptist church. Like, you're not going to go hungry there. You're not going to be hungry if you're hanging out with Jesus, but they're like, where are we going to get food? There's not a drive-through for miles. Or excuse me, they're on a boat, so there's not like a sail-through for miles, right? We can't just go to the store. Where are we going to get food? And Jesus is like, are you serious right now? Like, you not know who I am. Like, I am the bread of life, and you're sitting here wondering, where are you going to get bread from? You have eyes, but you don't see. That was their condition. They could not see who Jesus was fully. One commentator at this point writes that, at this point in time, the disciples had a partial and malformed understanding of Jesus' ministry and what it means to follow him. They, could, they were not seeing Jesus clearly. So why is seeing Jesus so important? Why is it so important for us to have the clearest possible picture of who our Lord and Savior is? Well, there's an old song that I love how it phrased this. And this lyric, I haven't listened to this song in years, and this lyric just, you know, I think through the Holy Spirit just popped into my head in the middle of this week. The old song, it says, Day by day, three things I pray. One, to see thee more clearly, to love thee more dearly, and to follow thee more nearly. I love the order of that prayer because you and I won't follow what we don't love, and you won't love what you don't see or what you don't know. So if we see Jesus more clearly, it leads to loving him more dearly, which leads to following him more nearly, which is what he wants for all of us. He wants us to see him clearly, love him dearly, and follow him nearly. So, so what exactly does this mean for us? What what can we get out of this idea of, of spiritual sight coming over time that Jesus is showing his disciples with this miracle? Number one is this. We don't see Jesus now as clearly as we will. We don't see Jesus now as clearly as we will. Now, please don't take that as me knocking where you're at spiritually. That's not at all what I'm trying to say. I'm in this boat with you. But even the most godly person can have their vision of Jesus improved. Even Billy Graham, as godly of a man as, as he was, had his vision improved when he crossed into eternity and he saw Jesus face to face. His faith became sight. All of us will be in that boat. All of us, if you are a believer in Christ, when you cross into eternity, your faith will become sight and you will see Jesus clearly, no longer hindered by the distractions of the world or, or sin. You will see your Savior clearly and perfectly. But we don't have to wait for heaven. We don't have to wait for eternity, nor should we wait for the vision of Christ to become sharper. We don't have to wait. So since we don't see Jesus now as clearly as we will, what should this truth do for you and me? Number one, it should give you hope. It should give you hope. If there's anything that's very clear over the last two years and all the chaos that has taken place in our world, a lot of, our, a lot of us have had our view of God shaken. We, we've seen church members at each other's throats because of a mask of a vaccine. We've seen church members, people who love Jesus at each other's throat on Facebook 
over politics. And it's clear that our, our vision of Jesus has been shaken and not as clear. But the good news is that if you continue to follow Jesus, your vision of who He is will become clearer. So that should give you hope that you will see your Savior more clearly. The second thing it should do, it should humble you. It should humble you. If you go into this and say, you know what, like I am, I'm walking by faith, and sometimes I may miss the mark. I, I, may, I may not see things clearly. That should give you humility. Humility, a posture of humility as you walk through life and, and you deal with people and you love people and you have relationships with people. It should humble you. And it should humble you to the point that it, it allows you to give grace to other people. It should allow you to give grace to other people knowing that, you know what, maybe they don't see as clearly either. Right? But we have to be careful with that because you can't go into it and say, well, I see more clearly than you and, and you don't, so you need to listen to me. Like We should have this grace towards one another because when we don't see clearly, and I'll point this out again later, but when the, when the blind man didn't see clearly, what did Jesus do? He touched him again. He didn't cancel him. Like, oh, sorry, you're, you're messing up my illustration here. Move on, go to the next. No, he touched him again. He showed compassion and grace again. And so when we are interacting with one another and we don't see clearly or they don't see clearly, we should extend grace to one another. The, the other thing that this should do, the fact that we, we don't see Jesus now as clearly as we will, is it should make you hungry to know and see Jesus better should make you hungry to know and see Jesus better. Because if, if knowing Him and seeing Him is going to lead to loving Him more and it's going to stir up your affections to love Him, I want to know Jesus better. I want to see Him clear so that I can love Him better and follow Him more closely. So again, we don't see Jesus now as clearly as we will. The second thing, the clarity of our vision of Jesus is dependent on our seeking and receptiveness to His revelation and the work of the Holy Spirit. As I know it's a mouthful, let me say it again. The clarity of our vision of Jesus is dependent on our seeking and receptiveness to His revelation and the work of the Holy Spirit. In the next verses in Mark chapter 8, Mark is going to give the account of Peter confessing Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Christ. One of the clearest, more, most powerful statements of who Jesus is. And that came as Jesus looked at his disciples and said, who do you say I am? And they were like, well, the people say this. They say you're this. They say you're this. And he's like, I don't care about what other people say. I want to know who you say I am. I want to know who you say I am. And, and then Peter makes this confession, Jesus, you are the Christ. And in Matthew's telling of this story, Matthew chapter 16, verse 17, when, when Peter makes this confession, Jesus looks at him and says, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. In short, Jesus is saying, Peter, you didn't figure this out on your own. You didn't figure this out because you were smarter than the rest. You didn't figure this out because you, you tried harder or, or any of that. You have this clear picture 
of me because it was revealed to you by my Father in heaven. Now again, to show you like how humble Peter should have been after that, because right after he says that and Peter and Jesus says that to him, then Peter does something else and Jesus is like, get behind me, Satan. All right, so you can quickly go from, hey, blessed are you to get behind me, Satan, real fast if you don't walk with humility. All right, but here's what I want you to see. G- Peter has this, is able to say this clear view of who Jesus is because it was revealed to him. And so when the blind man couldn't see, Jesus touched him. When he couldn't see clearly, Jesus touched him again. When you and I were lost in our sins, when we walked in darkness and we could not see, it was Jesus and his amazing grace that opened our eyes. I once was blind, but now I see because of Jesus. And even now, and even though I can see partially when I can't see clearly, I need Jesus to touch me again. And the good news is he's willing to do that. He's willing to continue to reveal himself to us. He's willing to continue to call us to him. We just need to answer that call and receive his revelation and allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate these truths. But we struggle here. We struggle. There are books written about how in this society we are truly distracting ourselves to death. We spend more time scrolling on Facebook and Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all that stuff. We just scroll, 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 Fox News, CNN, any other news. We're just scrolling and reading and reading. And we're, we're doing everything but sitting at the feet of Jesus and, and just soaking in his word and his revelation and spending time in his presence. Without going to the scriptures for ourselves, without going to the Lord in prayer for ourselves, Our vision of Jesus is going to be shaped by someone else's vision of Jesus rather than Jesus himself, right? Like you look out in in the world of social media, you look out in the world of news, and everyone has a version of Jesus they're trying to push on you. You got the Republican Jesus. You got the Democrat Jesus. You got all these versions of Jesus. You got the Jesus who wore the COVID mask and and waves the rainbow flag, and then you got the Jesus who burned his COVID mask and waves the MAGA flag. Everybody's trying to push on you a version of Jesus, and we will get swept up in that if we don't let Jesus tell us himself who he is. And so we have to go to the Word. We have to go to the Word, and we we have to see who Jesus says he is himself. And, And I've struggled with this. I've struggled with this. In our day and age where we have so much technology, and you can watch sermons from from the you know, the, the best and the brightest pastors and who have like the biggest churches and write the best books, the best-selling books and all that. You can listen to their podcasts and, and all that. And I fell into that. I was all about celebrity Christian culture. And, and over the last couple of years, there was a, a podcast released about the rise and fall of a particular pastor in his church. And, um, you know, we, it's not unique to this particular church because if you look around the world, we've seen time and time again, well-known, successful, influential Christian fall from grace. We've seen it happen over and over again. And, and, and for me, when I saw someone who I looked at as a mentor from a distance, when I saw him fall and saw some things that were revealed about him, it, it shook me. Because man, I was like, why? Why was I following him more closely than I was following Jesus? 
Why were his words more influential to me than the words of Jesus? I was following, I was really in my own ministry adapting this pastor's vision of who Jesus was and, and using it, and, and that's what I was portraying. And, and as I learned about the stuff that was going on, it just shook me of, man, again, I was following him more closely sometimes than I was following Jesus. And so we have got to go to the Scriptures. We've got to go to Jesus Himself and discern who is who are you, Jesus? Who are you? And Jesus comes to us when we can't see clearly, and He's willing to touch us. Call us to Himself. And what we do there, as we seek Him, we receive Him. And we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to truly open our eyes and give us a clearer picture of Jesus. And so maybe you're here today, you've been walking with Jesus for 40, 50 years. Maybe you've been going through something and, and you're struggling to really see Jesus and to see his purposes, especially the chaos that we've experienced the last couple of years. And you're like, God, where are you? God, what are you doing? Let me encourage you to come back to the scriptures, come back to his word and to see Jesus. You're here today and you're new to this faith and you're learning how, what it means to follow Jesus. And again, I, I implore you to look to Jesus. Look to his word. Be discipled. Be sanctified. Look to Jesus. You're here today and you're like, I'm not a believer. I don't know Jesus. I tell you to look to Jesus. Because the Bible tells us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So if we want to know what God is like, we look at Jesus. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen my Father. And so we look to Jesus, and one of the clearest pictures that we have of who Jesus is is in the gospel. God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You want to know that God loves you? Look to the cross. Because at the cross, it shows us that you and I were more sinful than we could dare imagine. But at the same time, we are way more loved than we could ever dream of. That is the picture of God that while broken, his love is so much greater and he lavishes it on us. And he wants us to experience it and receive it. So look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. And, and as I close, I want to close with the words of a famous hymn that you've probably sung countless times in church over the course of your life if you've grown up in church. And the band can go ahead and make their way back up here and we'll close in worship. But I want you to listen to the words of the old hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. O oh soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. His word shall not fail you. He promised. Believe him and all will be well. Then go to a world that is dying, his perfect salvation to tell. Let's pray. Father, we ask for your help in order to see how you want us to see. We need your revelation. We need you through the power of your Holy Spirit to open our eyes and allow us to see Jesus more clearly. Because we know your word tells us that if we were to see Jesus clearly, we will love him dearly. 
and we will follow him more nearly. God, that is your will for every person in here. Every person that's watching online, every person that's part of our classic service downstairs, God, you want them to love you more dearly. You want them to follow you more nearly. And that comes through seeing you clearly. So God, give us eyes to see. Give us eyes to see you for who you are, not who we want you to be, not who someone else wants you to be, but for who you say you are. Jesus, you are the way, the truth, the life. You are the light of the world. Help us to see you more clearly. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this week's sermon. For more information about Summit Community Church, please check out our website at summitchurch.me or on social media on Facebook or Instagram at SCC Morgantown.